Greetings, true unbelievers. I, Mephisto, have listened to these things called podcasts from my eternal infernal realm. Oh, how I hate their camaraderie, their passion, their fandom. But I realized without them, this modern world, this internet, would surely collapse into chaos and anarchy. Now begins my insidious plot. I will call upon all of my demonic energies and curse four podcasts to review a comic they would never dare touch. I shall start with Jeff and Rick. No longer shall they discuss the adolescent hijinks of four precious super-powered lambs. Instead, they shall review the magnificent tome detailing my infamous takedown of the Fantastic Four. Tremble, you mortals. Tremble! <laughs> Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of... Mephisto? Where we journey through the issue of one of the most strange and odd Marvel miniseries of the 80s that has nothing to do with Power Pack while drinking beer. Analyzing, antagonizing, and angry archfiend adventures, and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And I am Greg, the Peter Tork of comic podcasting. Greetings, ghouls and boils. In the upcoming next scary special segment, we have Random Banter. Random banter, guys. How are you doing? What's going on in your lives? Well, first of all, I'm a little freaked out. But besides that, um, we have another guest. Because we have been cursed <laughs> to do this silly, silly comic book. And we have been cursed, cursed to have somebody else from Secret Wars 2 and beyond yeah. on our podcast. Apparently Rick has been cursed to continually <laughs> invite people without my knowledge into my basement. <laughs> You say it like it's a bad thing. No, it's actually been pretty great. <laughs> you knew what you were getting into when you signed the contract to appear on our show. I was always curious why you made me sign it in blood. <laughs> you know, that way it makes it harder to erase. <laughs> <laughs> that way you get the little uh, scar keepsake on your thumb. Yes. What's and, this from? And, oh, and, that's right. And the random thaumaturgical rituals being performed against me in the middle of the night. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Peter Tork, would you mind introducing yourselves? <laughs> I'm Greg. I'm from the. You might know me from Marvel's Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, my monthly torment with Sean, to where we discuss the hidden 1980s classic Secret Wars 2. I like how you said that with a question mark. <laughs> I like how you said hidden as though they hadn't proudly. Put it we try not to talk about Nobody talks about Secret Wars Well, they, they did one time. Just once. <laughs> just, <laughs> once. just once. Here is the uh, entirety of uh, Secret Wars 2 that I remember. Uh, Spider-Man steals golden trash and then feels bad about it. And then uh, you know, the pathway of like where that little notebook went to. Yeah, just like, oh, that's the thing I remember about it. What else? I don't know. It's probably in New York. Yeah, and wasn't that like in the first or second issue with the golden trash? I don't know. Sure. Uh, that was the the second. Yeah, uh, yeah, the second issue. But I'm not certain. After I finish every episode, I just completely forget everything about that issue, and I just kind of memory flush the whole thing. That's kind of like us too. <laughs> it's, we'll be listening to things, and I'm like, it's like, oh, good time to listen to the finished episode. I'm like, oh, I said that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I st the same thing. It's uh, like, oh, did I say that? <laughs> 
Well, it's time to move on to the next one is why. It's kind of like, can't can't dwell on the past, got to move to the future. I only have so much room in my head. I must flush something out. <laughs> well, this is the reason why I can never remember what I need at the grocery store. Yeah, just randomly grab milk and you're probably pretty safe. <laughs> but I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> that's usually when you remember, oh, that's right. I really hate milk. Yeah. I'm lactose intolerant. Yeah, then why do you guys keep buying it? Because you're lactose intolerant. Yeah, there's that. I mean, lactose. Something about lactose. I should probably buy milk. Oh, that was a mistake. I won't, again. Lac- I won't let lactose beat me. Yeah. <laughs> I will yeah. take you down with me, man. I will take yeah. you down. Yeah, you're not my supervisor. <laughs> At one point in time, I had something else I was going to talk about, but I have completely forgotten it because now all I'm thinking about is milk. Uh, you, went to, you went to the beach. I went to the beach, yes. I, I had a fantastic time at the beach this weekend. Yeah? Yeah, we were going to go there with uh, one of our good friends um, and, and his uh, fiance and his daughter. Yeah. And a whole bunch of other people, too. Oh. And, you know, they were in charge of the beach uh, oh. house thing. And oh, as though they would have been hosting it. They would have been hosting as, it, yes. As though it was an event that they had been hosting for over 10, 12 years. Something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and then at the last minute, they weren't there. <laughs> oh, that's really weird. You know what's really weird about that? Is what's that? that? I uh, was hosting a uh, beach bonfire event. Really? This weekend, yeah. But due to uh, two people in the household being sick, we didn't make it. Yeah. So yeah. that's weird. We that's had that, uh, that's so crazy that we both had beach adventures planned. Yeah. And that you were able to go to yours. Mine was quite nice. Yeah. I don't think anybody showed up to mine because I wasn't there, so I didn't see. <laughs> what you don't see won't hurt you. <laughs> exactly. Or cause me any fun at all. Sure, they weren't invisible. <sighs> Most of my friends are, Greg. Most of my friends are. <laughs> They're not imaginary. They just don't talk a lot, and they're invisible. And and I even started off by tweeting like, "Yes, Jeff and Rick presents is going to the beach," and I lied because yeah. of you. I know. I, I <laughs> it make was you live and a lot Rick of presents yeah. goes to the beach. Yep. I make you live. I, I don't know stuff. what to believe anymore. Just <laughs> lies. It's Tons what are you saying? Lies. Are you saying there are lies on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can continue with the, this. Uh, the devil, you say. <laughs> I think you mean the Mephisto, you say. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so what are we doing here? Why are we here? Uh, well, and especially why is this the first one? Well, apparently um, Mephisto has grabbed a hold of four podcasts and has forced them to review his masterpiece from the 80s. <laughs> from 1987. From 1987, his masterpiece against the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's why we're here. And why are we releasing on Halloween? Well, because. And why are we doing this? Well, it was dare on Twitter. It was a dare that Sean had against you, Greg, and I called you guys out on it, and then I was put in charge of putting it together. It was a dare. I wasn't gonna. Pa- I wasn't gonna back down from it, no matter how much it hurt. <laughs> it was fun on that. Is uh, Rick's telling me about it? He's like, "Yeah, there's this Mephisto versus, and it's this terrible miniseries and stuff." I'm like, "Huh, I haven't seen it or remember it, but I bet I could make it funny." And then two days later, he's like, "Okay, so here's preliminary script. Put some stuff in there. We're gonna be doing it with Greg off Secret Wars." And da 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 da. I'm like, "What just happened?" <laughs> that was more or less how it happened yeah, it in real time, did. too. Yeah. So. I was watching it unfold and I'm thinking, no, 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 God, no, 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 it's a bad like, idea. Sean, no, what are you doing? Yeah, it was great. I, it was I, like, we're just, it was like, like this, this Twitter game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? Nobody did. And we yeah. crashed and no, we're all dead. Yeah. Oh man. It's just reading through those. I'm like, these are so bad. I think they're the best thing I've read ever. I just love them. When you, 
<laughs> but somehow along the way, I've cultivated a diet of only bad comics. If it's if it's not Secret Wars 2, it's this. And then there's something else that's in my immediate future. It's like so much bad comics. And now it's kind of like my it, now it's my shtick. Yeah. Now that's what everybody expects I'm going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's like Steve-O off of uh, what Jackass, where it's like, if he doesn't whack himself in the face with a rake, nobody's going to expect it. So <laughs> Why would this I Why would I watch the... Bam, Bam Bam Bigelow unless, you know, he does something horrible to his dad? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't want to anymore, but it's the only thing that made me popular. Well, the best thing I can say so far is this is not the worst thing I've read this week. Oh. You know what? I can see that because, and I think we'll get to this at the end, there is something they're trying to do here. They don't... Oh, I know what they're trying to do. They they don't do it well, but they're trying... Anyway. I think think we'll be be talking about what they're trying to do here at the the end after the uh, synopsis. Let's start it off this way. There is no prior episode or issue, but can you give us a quick two-sentence recap of the last time the Fantastic Four, because this is Mephisto versus the Fantastic Four, the last time the Fantastic Four messed with Mephisto. I think it's uh, Fantastic Four 277? You're correct, Rick. It is. So here is the two-sentence synopsis. A nosy neighbor triggers a dire wraith apocalypse when she sets a renowned exorcist on her new, really nice neighbors that she knows just have to be witches. Witches that turn out to be the Richards family of the Fantastic Four. This lets Mephisto capture and torture their psi-forms until Doctor Strange shows up and awakens Franklin Richards from a crystallized slumber who then side-blasts the Prince of Ne'er-Do-Wells into nothingness, thereby allowing them to return to their bodies and giving Doctor Strange a chance to shame the nosy neighbor for her prying acts. Now that the stop prying into your neighbor's lives, you're not making the situation any better, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give us a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? Wait, 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 I'm confused. All of this got started because busybody Gladys Kravitz thought her neighbors were witches, and that somehow got us here? It's almost as if she had never read a Marvel comic before or even watched an episode of Bewitched. Yeah, well, sorta. It's just a nice way to tie this storyline into the continuity by referencing a comic from 26 years earlier. But that's not important. The important thing is to keep your eyes on the prize, which is that we get to drink a beer while we talk about this. Ah, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Don't think about it. Drink beer. It's college days all over again. So, what do we have? Well, what I've got from Jeff and I is something kind of fun, and it's going to be fun to open because it's got a lovely... Oh, the wax lid. Wax lid, but here you go. Uh, let's see, what do we have? We have... <laughs> heretic. Release your inner heretic. Torment. Dark Belgian-style ale. Bold, rich, and malty. Yes, this is Torrent by Heretic <laughs> Brewing. Let me tell you a little bit about this. This is a Belgian-style dark ale, a rich beer with lots of caramel, malt, dark, malt, dark fruit, and Belgium candy sugar notes. The luscious, fruity character is full of caramel apples, candy pears, and chocolate-covered oranges. And it's 10% ABV with an IBU of 20 Oh, cheers on that. Cheers on that. You can really smell the kind of the fruit flavor to it. What do you have, Greg? Well, using my Franklin-like abilities to look ahead, I knew what you guys were going to be drinking. <laughs> so I went to my local alcohol establishments, and apparently Heretic is not available in my area, so I'm cursed. <laughs> but I did manage to find something called Arrogant Bastard Ale. Oh, oh yes. So I, I was intrigued by the demon that was on the uh, label, and at that point, at that moment, I knew there was true love between the two of us, and I, I, I couldn't leave him behind. So That is a very good choice. Arrogant Bastard is a fine, fine beer. I've, we, we have both had it many times. It's uh, Stone Brewing. 
I'm correct, right? Yeah. Yeah, Stone Brewing, and that's out of California? That sounds right-ish. Big fan of that. This is also from California, too, but we'll, we'll, we'll describe what we got here. So we've got the very caramel, light brown view of what we're seeing. It's got, I think the... The def or the description is pretty spot on. Got the apples, pears, chocolate covered oranges. There's a good mixture of all that, but it's definitely the dark, the the dark fruit and Belgian, and Belgian candy. That's what I'm getting a lot of. It's it's got the very sweet taste and strong alcohol. Yeah, it's got strong alcohol. I'm really getting hit by the uh, the afters on it, where I'm kind of like, oh, those are some interesting. What's happening to my mouth? Kind of uh, thing. <laughs> Heretics burning Heretics. at the stake, which is in my mouth. <laughs> How about you? What are you what are you feeling and what are you tasting? Um, this one feels uh, this tastes a little bit more bitter than I expected it, even with a name called Arrogant Ass Bastard Ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I generally like dark bitter type beer, so this is actually going to work out pretty good, I think. Yeah. Nice. Me and Rick are stout drinkers ourselves, yeah. big time. So, but but that's but the Arrogant Ale or Arrogant Bastard that is a good 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 beer. I could see myself becoming reacquainted with uh, Mr. Arrogant Bastard Ale sometime <laughs> after the episode. Maybe maybe on the way into work tomorrow. I don't know. Ah, uh, you want to save that for at least lunch break? Just you know, <laughs> hey, you you get yourself through the day, whatever yeah. you need to do. <laughs> But with those good thoughts about how we get ourselves through the day at work over, we'll now talk about the opening credits. So, Jeff, if you please. Mephisto versus issue number one, April 1st, 1987. <laughs> Give the devil his due. Credits. Writer. Al, I illustrated Secret Wars 2, and all I got was this lousy miniseries, Milgram. Penciler, John Bushima. Inks, Bob Wyacek. Letterers, Rick Parker. Color, George Russos. Editor, Ralph Macchio. Chief, Jim Shooter. Special thanks to FF consultant Roger Stern. Featuring Mephisto, Sorta Satan Light, The Fantastic Four, Reed Richards, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Smarty Pants Leader Guy Who Can Stretch His Body, Sue Richards, a.k.a. Invisible Woman, She Can Turn Invisible, Makes Invisible Force Fields, Is the Mother to Franklin, Sister to Johnny, and Is Married to Reed. Johnny Storm, a.k.a. The Human Torch. His body can be covered with fire, allowing him to fly and shoot it. And uh, he's brother to Sue, boyfriend to Alicia Masters. Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. His body is covered in orange rocks. He's super strong, super tough, and super at clobbering. Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. She is tall. She has green skin. She is strong, tough, intelligent, and pretty dang awesome. She originally joined the team as a temporary replacement for The Thing. But she is still here because... Why not... Some would say reasons. Reasons. Franklin Richards, a.k.a. Tattletail, the son of Reed and Sue and possibly a god, small g. He has developed off the charts insane powers after he was born, but his daddy locked them down, so now they're just kind of amazing. He's got prophetic dreams, psionic blasts, astral projection, and other as-needed story-arking powers. <laughs> Guest starring Alicia Masters, fiancé of the Human Torch, but also... A past love interest to the thing. Willie Lumpkin, the mailman. Wait, wait, are we sure this wasn't Stanley making an early cameo? Possibly, I guess. Why not? We open with poet laureate Ben Grimm talking to Reed Richards, saying, It seems to me having an open utility shaft in the floor of the sub-basement's kind of dangerous, unless you're trying to give somebody the shaft. Ah, the thing. Truly, he should have been named the wordsmith. This leaves the Fantastic Five staring down the mysterious shaft. Four. What? Let's double check the title of the comic. Mephisto versus the Fantastic Four. One, two, three, four. But there's five of them. Well, yeah, She-Hulk is still hanging around. She was originally brought in as a fill-in substitute while the thing was out. But he's back, and she hasn't left. 
It's awkward, sure, but it's still like the Fantastic Four. It just takes too much to rebrand. Okay, that's actually the problem with putting a number in your team name is that as soon as you lose some people or gain some people, it, it you're like, well, you're not the Fantastic Four anymore or the Fabulous Five or the Fearsome Fentuple. That's why I didn't name us the Presenting Duo. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Fantastic Four <laughs> fell for the classic naming blunder. Well, I think legally they're supposed to call themselves the Fantastic Four, too, because of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, well, they, they acquired in a, somebody else's original IP, and they're like, look, this is all we could afford. We have to be the Fantastic Four. So Branding. Yeah. Branding. Yeah, branding. Brand, it's all branding. It's, think of all that merchandise that they'd have to, to replace out in the gift shop. Exactly. Well, and, and they just built this fancy-dancy little building, and like the, na- the it's the shape of a four on the top. Yeah. What are they? I mean, at the very least, I mean, there are four people there. The yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Reed is stretching down the shaft, trying to figure out where it goes. Why is he doing that? Well, you see, they have just rebuilt the Baxter building based on designs Reed drew up. And he doesn't remember the shaft, and it's confusing him. What's confusing me is how many times they say shaft in the first three pages of, these, of this comic. I, I kind of want them to stop saying shaft. They say this shaft is one bad mother. Shut your mouth. They're just talking about Shaft. Can you dig it? I have an idea. Let's rename this comic. The Fantastic Four and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Shaft. Got a question for you. Oh, God, no. Please, not one of your insane Secret Wars secret questions. Well, no, but now that you mention it, how long do you think that not-so-secret Shaft has been there waiting for somebody to stumble across it? I would say at least a half a page. (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna say that it i have two answers on this sure i'm gonna say that uh, mephisto had just recently created it and that he then nudged ben Grimm into looking for it because why was he in the sub basement anyway you know so ben wouldn't be normally down there Uh there are questions that you don't really want the answers to oh yeah he's all like where'd they store all my private time stuff (laughs) i i think it's i think he was down there because it was Thing time. Oh, it was thing time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I think it was fairly recent, but I think it would be hilarious if, like, Mephisto had, uh, like, put it in the designs from years ago, and he's like, ha-ha, it's gonna get triggered any minute now. I was actually any thinking... Any minute. There's the answer to your secret question, Greg. <laughs> okay, anyway, my original question is, Reed is this insane inventor that has a gadget for every occasion, right? Yep. Then why are they using the light from the human torch's arm to see down in the dark? Wouldn't a high-powered mag light in Reed's hand be much more useful than the elf carrying a torch at the back of the party? I mean, what's, what if there's a gas leak or something? A cosmic gas leak would be the worst thing ever. You're right. A flashlight would be better idea and more safe. But this is the Fantastic Four, not the Safety Six. Well, speaking of safety, the Human Torch tells everyone to stand back because he's really going to flare up. Too much information, Johnny. We are going to Franklin's room, and that's a really uncomfortable sentence. <laughs> He wakes up from a particularly vivid dream, screaming, Daddy, no, look out! In regards to that, Mr. Fantastic is deep in the shaft when he feels heat on his face. He snaps back and directs Johnny to absorb the flames, flames that seem almost supernaturally intense. Foreshadowing, you're burning in it. Whoosh! Johnny barely does so, complaining he can even feel the heat. Somehow, the flames snuff out his flames and melts the opening shut. Huh. Fire retardant fire. Sure. Why not? Well, nothing to do but dust off your hands and walk away. And that is exactly what they do. Franklin comes running up and is relieved to find them all okay and that the bad man did not kill them. Hooray! Hooray! 
Reed and Sue once again proving that they are the bestest parents in the entire Marvel Universe comfort <laughs> their precious powered protege by promising his potential precognition probably will not progress. At least not unlike the other times that, that they came true. Pretty pathetic prose by the Plastic Papa. Prototypical platitudes of peacefulness. Um, I would like to add that you guys are just evil and, and, and not necessarily Mephisto evil, even worse than Mephisto evil with your word choices. Yeah, we get that a lot. But on that alliterative note, Franklin is tucked in and the five heroes discuss the night's events, with Johnny asking Reed what he makes of all this since he is supposed to be the brains of this outfit. To which Ben responds, I resent that remark, squirt. What's got Ben's stick all riled up? I don't know, but smarter than a bag of rocks, Reed determines that the situation should be closely monitored later, you know, after sleepy time. Wait a minute. These people have strange things happen to them every day. They nearly get flash fried and their son, who they admit has watcher level precognitive abilities, has given them the bat signal warning and they decide to sleep on it? <laughs> they get what's coming to them. Yeah, well, this is just a typical Wednesday night for the Fantastic Four. Franklin awakes and reflects on his good fortune that his family and friends did not die horribly last night. Yeah. That's usually how I wake up too. Well, at least since November 2016, but with more creaking and groaning. He checks in with mom, who is wearing an apron over her uniform, and I, I kind of need to stop right there. Okay, sure, Busima is probably just drawing a normal domestic scene, but let's think about this for a moment. These uniforms are made of unstable molecules and, and can do a mess of things, but apparently they're not stain resistant. Flames from Fwoosh? Check. Alien slime? Check. Acid attacks? Lab mistakes? Orange rock dust? Check, check. Ew. The grossest dust ever, but still a check. Pancake batter splatter? Well, that uniform is ruined. Pancake batter and bacon grease. Well, they're the bane of the unstable molecule-based costumes everywhere. But before the youngster can eat, he needs to brush his teeth, and the ever-loving blue-eyed thing is there to make sure it happens. On the way to the bathroom, Franklin and Ben see Johnny and Alicia in the hallway. They invite Ben to see a tennis match, which Ben politely declines. Dude, what are you talking about? He calls it a sissy sport. I will change politely declines to just declines then. Anyway, on the way back from the toddler's teeth tidying, the two take in the above-mentioned twosome tickling each other's tonsils. Wait, Johnny and Alicia are kissing in the hall? I guess this proves that they've gotten past the whole let's be considerate of Ben's feelings stage. Ben posits the same question, only adding in a warning to knock off the smooches in front of the kid. Both Alicia and Johnny start to mock Ben, but not in the funny kind of way. Alicia asks if Ben is jealous that Johnny stole his girl away. And Johnny saying, Or is it just that you're bitter? Because even a blind girl like Alicia could see what a monster you really are. This heats up old rock skin and we get a... It's clobbering time! Scratch hunts! Ben is going after Johnny big time. This ain't no ordinary tussle. Ben is out for blood. And Franklin gets this. He runs off for mommy and daddy. But Ben catches Johnny, pulls him in, and Johnny just falls apart in his hand. Johnny had just flamed on, and the thing was left with just a handful of fire, but uh, no Johnny. Alicia calls him a monster, saying that Ben wanted to kill Johnny and that he is an evil man. She states, in an odd voice, Sooner or later, they all go straight to Fwoosh! And with a crimson flash of light, the thing is gone. Sent straight to Fwoosh, where all evil men go. Meanwhile, at the Forest Hills Tennis Club, to the match Vitus Girlitis and John McEnroe are playing. 
Wait, 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 wait. You mean Vitalis and Mechanroku? Uh, sure. Okay, well, because Alicia is blind, Johnny is providing color commentary, and Mechanroku is not having any of it. This starts a shouting match, which quickly gets out of control. Because tennis stars and hot-headed superheroes are known for their calm personalities. Yeah, Johnny flames on and flash fries all of the other spectators. How many times does Johnny do this? I mean, this is like a constant thing, right? Oh yeah, just a typical day in the life of Johnny Storm. Inadvertent mass-murdering Johnny Storm. And so, this tennis pro condemns him. Pointing his racket, he declares that the Human Torch is a sinner for killing all of these people. To be fair, they were watching tennis. Yeah, but it wasn't golf, so we shouldn't be too hard on him. So be gone with you! Foolish! Starting to see a pattern here. Yes, you are. And that pattern is that sinners get sent straight to Fwoosh. This time, we see the crowd just sitting there, unburnt, looking a little confused as the blind girl begins to freak out because her boyfriend is missing. The tennis pro calls security and comments on the heat, saying, Yes, just exactly as hot as Hades. I would have said it's as hot as Fwoosh, but that's just me. Meanwhile, at the stately Baxter building, Frankly has finally found his dad who is talking to Stanley. No, wait. It's Willie, the worst postman, Lumpkin. What do you have against Willie, the postman, Lumpkin? You mean the old mail carrier who's been around since 1959 and was last seen as the biology teacher for the Future Foundation? A group of the smartest kids around. Dude misdelivered my Fantastic Four subscription back in 79. Ah, you, sir. Have feelings on this. Well, Willie is waiting for the wonderfully wise Reed to rebuff his rambunctious whippersnapper so Willie can warn Reed about his repetitious reports in the Ruby rucksack. Well, Willie does have a rather large sack, a couple of them actually, and in one of them is a bill marked past due. Willie directs Reed over to search the sack for his letter. Reed, being the contender for the worst father of the year, the decade, the century is half listening to Franklin, who's trying to warn him about the brouhaha between his two uncles. Most of his attention is wondering about the depth and size of Willie's sack and the smell. We're not kidding here, folks. This is what's on the page. And with a blast of fire erupting from the bag, Franklin watches his father disappear. And Mr. Lumpkin just don't care, you see? Don't stand there blubbering, kid. Your daddy was messing around with the U.S. mail. That's against the law. And breaking the law is a sin. Okay, that is a bit of a stretch, but sure, why not? Messing with the mail is a fwishable sin. And as we all know, sinners get sent straight to fwish. No, just no. On a more pleasant note, Sue and Jennifer are in the kitchen chatting about a clothing sale. Cause the 80s, right? When Franklin, Mr. Killjoy, runs in and starts complaining that Willie Lumpkin killed his daddy. After all, who could blame Willie Lumpkin for killing Reed? After all of the times, Reed refused to consider letting poor Willie join the team. Let's face it, true believer, Wiggle and Ears are much more interested than Medusa's living hair. Sue is rightly skeptical. I mean, Lumpkin is ridiculously old. She even asks if he fell asleep and had a dream. As she turns around, she knocks over some oil, and an over-the-top grease fire explosion happens, followed by a... Flush! Well, that sucks. Worried the sensational She-Hulk is there to give the little rugrat a hug, and comfort him by saying Sue was really careless. It's hardly a sin, carelessness. But in this case, we were willing to make an exception. And as we all know now, hardly a sin sinners get sent straight to Fwoosh. But if you really want your mommy, I'm sure something can be arranged. Oh. A giant crack appears in the ground, and She-Hulk delivers an Undertaker-style chokeslam to the young Richards. And now we go into chaos mode, because we are in either a really bad nightclub or Mephisto's Infernal Realm. Hooray! Hooray! 
Franklin does that fallen forever for a few pages before landing on the ground in front of the Dreadlord Stone Throne. And in the foreground are the rest of the Fantastic Four and She-Hulk. We knew this had to come to be. I mean, the book has his name on it. First, let's describe the Lord of Fwoosh. Well, his favorite color is red. Not helpful. Greg? Well, I gotta go with Rick on this, because he's pulling off the skin-tight red clothing with a red cape with an insanely high red collar, all of which matches his red hair and pinkish face. He has pupilless white eyes and fanged teeth, and he's impossibly tall, and he likes burning the souls of sinners over the smoldering coals of the depressed. But enough about his looks and his favorite things. Let's hear his introduction. So, without further ado, welcome to the infernal realm of his satanic majesty, Mephisto! Lord of Pain, Evil Incarnate, etc., etc., etc. Okay, what is going on? Well, apparently Mephisto holds a grudge. You don't say. He's a little bitter that Franklin took him out. <laughs> Mephisto got taken out by a kid. Hey, 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 Greg, what do Franklin Richards and the Beyonder have in common? What? They both scare Mephisto, and they both just learned how to use the bathroom. <laughs> ah, the big red one calls this fake news. He blames it on his last food source, the Dire Wraiths, being defeated. And to be fair, he should have waited an hour after consuming Dire Wraith energy before confronting Reed and Sue the first time. But he's going to rectify the situation by eating the toe-headed boy's soul. Point of order, Counselor. My mannequin lawyer has informed me that you just can't take his soul and... Franklin is too young to sign it over. Seriously, why do you guys have a mannequin lawyer in your basement? In case metaphysical or dimensional legal concerns arise during our discussions of comic books, doesn't everyone have one of these? To Jeff and the mannequin lawyer's point, standard interdimensional contracts are protected under various treaties and arguments stipulated through eons and eons of precedents and standards, creating binding, definitive, and legally irrevocable accords. The required four elements of offer, acceptance, consideration, and intention to create legal relations is well understood under the parlance of infernal lore. In determining whether an agreement has been made, what its terms are, and whether it is intended to be legally binding, demonic law applies on an objective test. There are a number of important principles relating to the intention of the parties to create legal relations. In particular... Hey, is there a cosmic entity called the adjudicator or something who can help untangle these types of contract issues? Also, I call foul on Ben's recollection of the contract he signed in Secret Wars 2, Issue 7. Discerning listeners should refer to the episode on, on a little podcast called Marvel Secret Wars and Beyond for more details. Nice, subtle plug. That's what I do. Mephisto sums this all up by pointing out that a family member or legal guardian could sign. The thing ain't having none of that, cause it's clobbering time. Patent pending. He busts out of the rocky trap. He was allowed to escape by the Red Ruffian. Yeah, and charges only to find Mephisti is magically growing bigger. He reaches down and picks up our orange-hued hunk and peels him open like, well, an orange. Ew. Yep, he skins off the rocky shell and reveals a white ghost-slash-monster. The monster lord is making a point that beneath the monstrous exterior hides the soul of a monster. His proof is Ben's reaction to the demon doppelgangers of Johnny and and Alicia kissing back at the FF headquarters. Could have been worse. It could have been uh, molten chocolate lava cake filling. Speaking of hotheads. Insert rimshot here. Let's see how Johnny handles this. He too breaks out of the rocky prison with his trademark flame on and proceeds to quote, fight fire with fire by blasting him in the face. Oi. Yeah, Mephistface just takes it and laughs. Really, the Human Torch is going to try and use fire in Fwoosh, which, as we know, is an inferno dimension. Dare I say, a disco infernal dimension? Huh? Huh? Yeah, later on you're going to want to insert a, a cricket noise there, okay? Okay. 
just to prove a point, Torchy gets teleported to torment the tortured in the infernal furnaces. I guess Mephisto wanted to save on his gas bill or something? Next in the initiative order is old Stretchy Pants. Of course, Reed is going to try a logical approach, trying brains instead of bronze. He offers to stay if the Mephistator allows the others to go. No time for love, Dr. Jones. I mean, Dr. Richards. Mephistoir already has Reed's soul. The devil, you say? Apparently, we all have missed an important element in the Reed Richards' Victor Von Doom origin story during the past 20 years. In one of the most wildly insane and ridiculous retconning I've ever seen, after Doom blew up his lab, Reed walked in to find that Mephisto Sneaky was there. Doom had summoned the crimson creature but fled in fear, and it was Richards who signed a deal with the devil for a greater intellect. But why haven't we heard this before? Oh, Mephisto Racerhead had wiped Reed's mind, a standard addendum to all diabolical contracts. Okay, but uh, why didn't he mention it the last time Reed was here? This seems fishy to me. Yeah, Richards ain't buying it either. So, the blood-colored Beelzebub bereft the brains of the bendy hero. A mind certainly is a terrible thing to waste. Don't you agree? <sighs> okay, short recap. Ben is a ghosty goo without a hard candy shell. Johnny is having a time as Hell's Heater. And Reed is a blithering baby. So what's Sue up to? She's been using her force field power to chip away at the rocks, finally breaking free and running to Reed's side. And he promptly drools on the pretty woman's shoulder. Mephisto mentions that he once made a deal with a man named Faust, and Faust got off on a technicality. And if he loses Reed's soul, he wants to take back what he, what he gave him. We really need someone versed in contract law to figure this one out. Mannequin Lawyer is giving us a thumbs up. It's legit. Well, that tears it. With a power scream of fiend, soon begins to pummel the dastardly dark demon with an invisible assault. So what you're saying is that Sue picked this moment to shout, 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 shout at Mephisto. Mephisto smooth calms down the lethal lady and offers her a deal. Because, you know, the devil always has a deal. Yeah, in exchange for her, he will release her son, her husband, and his soul, and the two other chuckleheads. He will take her because she's more pure. Looking at her drilling husband, she cracks faster than China in a bull shop. And BAM! Mephisto shows his pocket offsuit 2 and 7. He's been bluffing. He did not have any claim on anyone's souls. But since Sue went all in, Mephisto Poker gets the pot. Have you been planning that metaphor since the beginning? Pretty much. Just playing my cards close to my chest, trying not to show my tells. That's just aces, Rick. Anyway, with a wave of his hands, Mephisto Steeler bellows. Be gone, the rest of you. I have the prize I wanted. I have taken your measure. You cannot best me. Only an unknown quantity has any chance to overcome Mephisto. And the male portion of the team returns home, confused and upset, and wanting their mommy. Well, Franklin wants his mommy. I want my mommy. Back in the pits of Limbo, Mephistreeper is fondling Sue's chin. Dude, personal space! And explaining to Sue that life is not fair, and of course he cheated. It's his house, his game, and he makes the rules. The book ends with the standard issue megomaniacal cackling and monologuing about how wonderful he is, and as Sue is literally dragged <laughs> away. <laughs> At least the demons didn't rip off her clothes. Small favors. Next issue, Mephisto versus X-Factor in Sympathy for the Devil on the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Wait, wait, wait I didn't agree to this. Mephisto! <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some themes of this, in air quotes, issue. Mm -hmm. What the heck was the point of this book? Oh, uh, 
weave together a thin plot with all the high profit teams to make money? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think you're wrong. Um, (laughs) Perhaps even more so, it's to capitalize on Marvel's fascination with the word versus. First, it was Spider-Man versus Wolverine. Then it was Fantastic Four versus the X-Men. Which I actually kind of like that one. Then it's the Avengers versus the X-Men. Which I didn't really like that one. (laughs) And now it's Mephisto versus, which is... Everybody. Yeah. But I guess it's still better than Batman versus Superman. It's got to be just money-driven. It has to be money-driven. But at the same time, it's just not a good plot. No. I've got two thoughts about it, really. I think... Well, first of all, maybe Jim Shooter was trying to reward Al Milgram for time served on Secret Wars 2. Yeah. But I think, in all honesty, this is the final days of Jim Shooter's reign. He's looking at the shelves, and he sees that, you know, the, the good days are behind him. His new universe project is is crashing and burning around him. And over on the other side of the aisle of the comic shop, he's got, he sees Burn on Man of Steel. He sees Perez on Wonder Woman. He sees Frank Miller on Batman. And he feels like the only thing he can do is push all that stuff off with as many high-priced miniseries that he can whip out of his brain. What about quality? What about content? What about a good story? What about dollars? (laughs) (laughs) Touché, touché. That's all the reasons around. What's going on here? We've got Mephisto up to some kind of plot, and it's not quite revealed by the end of the story. Now, we've read the entire series, and everyone else hopefully is going to check out the rest of the stuff, because it's a good chance to check out other podcasts. If you read through the rest of the stories, I mean, it's it's this long, drawn-out con game that he's got going on throughout the rest of the story. So he's picking up a piece here, the piece being Sue Richards, probably one of the most powerful characters in Marvel Universe, and one of the most underutilized characters in the Marvel Utilized, yeah. He takes her and then he trades her up for somebody else in the next issue and trades that person up for somebody else in the next issue, going to an ultimate prize for an ultimate goal that ends up going nowhere. 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 Yeah, it's hilarious. And, and I don't think, it, without spoiling anything, I don't think it's ever been followed up again. No. No. This is, so. this is the most unimportant thing at all. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change the board at all. Anything that happens in here gets reset immediately. <laughs> to, to the point where between uh, X-Factor and X-Men, Jean Grey, who at that time in X-Factor, is still not known to be alive to everybody else in X-Men. And they make the thing with like, well, there goes Jean Grey over here, and the X-Men over here. Nobody knows that, you know, oh, X-Men, you can't see that she's going up there. So they don't even give you that much. Here's a perfect opportunity where you could cross over X-Men and X-Factor and... Nope, nope, we're not even going to change the board that way. Everything is going to be perfectly fine. And it's also kind of interesting who's not invited to this miniseries. Spider-Man's not involved with this at all, and he would be at this point still kind of the flagship character for Marvel. But he's not in a team. It's a versus team kind of yeah. thing. Well, it didn't necessarily have to be one. It just happened to be that. No, you're right, because, I mean, if we look at the final one, the Mephisto versus the Avengers, which Married with Comics is going to do that one, that one's not even Mephisto versus the Avengers. That one's Mephisto versus Thor. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, the Avengers happen to be there. The yeah, Avengers it, happen to be there, but they are not involved at all. The, the theme of this is very much is he's going against a team and cherry picking one member. Yes. And if it was just a one person team, like say Spider-Man, then it would just be like, ha ha, I, you, I, you know, I'm choosing you. So. Well, the other thing, the other thing too, let's be fair up until his final choice, he, he chooses a woman each time. Yep. I was going to yeah, say true. that, which is kind of distasteful <laughs> to be honest with you. Mephisto, the used car salesman of Fwoosh is distasteful. I know. Yeah. Let me let me tie back into the Fantastic Four, and I'm going to steal a page from the Secret Wars handbook, and I'm going to ask the question of, what four heroes would you guys choose if you were being sent to Limbo and had to face Mephisto? 
Hmm. Doctor Strange. Yep. Yeah. I think I'm good. <laughs> oh, and then on. three other people. Uh, Spider Man. Silver Surfer. Yeah, I was going to say Silver, Silver Surfer, Surfer as well. Uh, Spider Man, because you always need the quippy whipping. And then, uh, oh, let's just go for somebody crazy. Let's. Uh, nomad. <laughs> nomad. Good, good. Not Steve Rogers Nomad. No, no, just Nomad going, why am I <laughs> yeah. here? Yeah. Rude. Got- just to see him smolder. <laughs> It's going to be like... Oh, Groot! <laughs> yeah. Groot! Yeah. He's just running around. Just running around screaming. Or Hydro Man, just to watch him bubble. Pace no. <laughs> Spot Pete. That's who I'd Because, ask. why not? Maybe he'll, he could uh, glue Ben Grimm's shell back on. That's that's why I'd want Pace Spot Pete. All right. I've just said a bunch of people's names. Oh, I, so I like that. Rules like of four mean nothing to me. Also on this tangent, then, what would you sell your soul for? Uh, what would I do for a Klondike bar? Uh, that, that was, was my answer. answer. I, I was going to wait. Just, God, that didn't take long at all. I knew that was going to be the one thing that's going to happen right yeah. there. But it'd have to be a really good Klondike bar. Oh, yeah, it would have to be like one of the king size. Yeah. If they have those. I don't know. Box of Klondike bars. Box, no. box of Klondike bars. Case, yeah. <laughs> Would you sell? Would you sell your soul for more intellect? Would you sell your soul for your friends and your family and your child? <laughs> no, screw them. <laughs> Maybe a good night's sleep. Oh. oh, is that on the table? That's on the is table. Not... One good night's sleep. Oh, I want more than one. I mean, I'm not asking for a lot, but just more than one. I've had two, two good nights. In, in like the last uh, year, uh, I think uh, I've uh. had seven nights of full sleep. Yeah, and a couple of those times I think you were sick. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, there was one where I think I got uh, like a ten-hour uh, sleep, and it was yeah, it was like sick with the flu. How about you, Greg? What would you sell your soul for? Klondike bar's taken, <laughs> and, and Klondike bar in sleep. Maybe a, a discount bin or a dollar bin without any image comics in it from the nineties. <laughs> I like how you you justified that at the end with the image comics from the nineties because image comics now. Yeah, I'll take those. Absolutely. A discount bin from 1986. Ooh, there you go. Back in the days when you could find 100-page giants for like a dollar. I do love looking at some of the old uh, advertisements and some of the old comic books. Like, oh, I could get X-Men number one for like $200. Yes, please. Another fun thing we found in here, which we talked a little bit about, the rewriting of the Richards and Doom Origins. So, uh, yeah, this has happened a few times, mm-hmm. and each time it's just more and more fascinating. Of course, this time, <laughs> this time by the end of the book, it kind of is like, oh no, this is all a lie. You know, that this is a complete lie. It wasn't, you know, wasn't really this way. But dear God, how many times do we have to see this rewritten? You know, we know the story. Well. I guess it's contractually every time that a new creative team takes over, you got to spend at least half an issue recounting the, the origin and with its own unique take yep. and twist. And finding new ways to blame the origin completely on Reed Richards to make him even more unlikable. Reed's not, well, after, he's not unlikable. He's not exactly blameless. <laughs> he's but. not blameless, but they keep giving him more and more and more blame. I mean, seriously, he you, you mentioned that he's the worst father in the world, but it seems like everything he has done has led to the point where he is going to create the apocalypse the antichrist of the marvel universe because he powers himself up he powers up his girlfriend who's going to be his wife so that they could become these uber powerful people and then he has a child and he kind of engineers his child a bit to like suppress the powers that are growing in him to make the powers double and triple and then he's 
just the worst father in the world, so the kid's going to have psychological issues. I mean, he is grooming the doom of the universe. <laughs> yeah, just the world destroyer who's like, I never knew my father. He just didn't care. Yeah. It's just the next one around, it's going to it's gonna be revealed that Dr. Doom actually is Franklin. Yeah, why Dear not? God, why not? That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, sure. King the Conqueror is involved in there somehow. You know uh, that, right? I'm not a Kang fan. No, but he's involved. Uh, let's go with the Mortis, because I like his I like his beard. A okay, bit fair more. enough. Fair enough. Beards. No, you you are right too that you mentioned before about the Fantastic Four versus the X Men. That was on sale around the same time, and they did the same kind of thing in there, where Doctor Doom created an artifact, uh, Reed Richards' old diary, and he hid it with their new stuff that they were just moving back into the Baxter Building, and it came out, and inside there was something about how Reed Richards actually designed the shields to amplify. The Cosmic Rays. <laughs> and that entire miniseries is basically the entire Fantastic Four is just ticked off of Reed Richards. And he's trying not to... Or he's trying to build a device to save Kitty Pride, but he's doubting everything about him. So it's once again, it's the plot point or MacGuffin to change or to challenge Reed Richards to do something or to move to a next step. Let's just change your origin story so you question everything about yourself. There, works here, works a few other places. Yeah, but the big difference between that and uh, the Mephisto versus Fantastic Four issue is one is written by Chris Claremont and the other one's written yep, by Al Milgram. yep, yep. 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 So uh, the only other thing I was going to mention in this really was the uh, paper stock of this book. Let's talk a little bit about that because that is something special. Yep. Especially since me and Greg have been on the digital format of it. <laughs> but if you've seen that. You've seen the. Uh, oh, I own. I own. The, at least one of these issues. I can't remember which one. It's fancy paper. It's it fancy. It's a, it's a thicker stock. I felt compelled to have my pinky extended as I turned the pages. Ooh. Do you know the reasoning behind that at all? To charge more money? <laughs> it's a little bit more expensive, yeah. I don't know if it really brings anything good to the book though if anything they were probably experimenting with paper stock just to make to match what the dc was doing with their baxter stuff some of the colors pop very weird i'm just kind of looking at this one page from an angle and like the darks really stand out a bit more on a whole it just feels like the color it they haven't got the color mixtures right with the paper that they're showing which is strange it's yeah. my opinion of it at all uh, maybe they might have been trying to go for a, a more premium feel on a sub premium product yeah maybe but once again it's just one other thing that doesn't quite work with this book yeah it's the whole mephisto thing man nothing's quite right nothing's quite what you think it <laughs> no, should be no and you feel like you've lost your soul after you read it pretty much pretty i actually much. really enjoyed it because it was just literally the series is just so it's... bad i just was like this is amazing and uh looking at it it's like read the first page i'm like page one there's a joke. There's a joke. There's a joke. I'm like, I got three jokes off the first page, basically. <laughs> this is okay. Yeah. I, I mean, as I said, I, I, this is not the worst thing that I've read this month. It's bad, but it's not horrible. It's just, it's confusing. It's confusing about what they're trying to do. It took me, I remember as a kid, I read this and I was like, I don't get it. And I read this as an old, and I said, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it should probably have swerved into the, the darkness a little bit more than it does. Yeah. It's, it's neither a superhero story, nor is it a horror story. And I think it falls flat because it, it can't commit to one or the other. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that's kind of cool about it is that 
they do bring out something that I can sink my teeth into with our library card, which is mm. something else we do on our show. On page 21, Mephisto expounds upon Faust, which um, I just wrote down a couple of things. And uh, you know, Faust is an old Greek legend that has been used as a basis for many literary, artistic, and cinematic works, including this one, which doesn't rise to the pantheon of other great works, but whatever. So Faust is bored and depressed with his life as a scholar, but after an attempt to take his own life, he calls on the devil for further knowledge and magic power with which to indulge all the pleasure and knowledge of the world. Kind of like what he blamed that he was doing with a uh, good old Reed there. And in response... Uh, the devil's representative Mephistopheles hmm, appears. He makes a bargain with Faust. Mephistopheles will serve Faust with his magic powers for a set number of years. But at the end of the term, the devil will claim Faust's soul and Faust will be internally enslaved. It's pretty much straight out of what we've got here. It's a well-known and well-old story mm-hmm. that uh, ties pretty much straight into this. It's where we get the Mephisto name. It's where we get the ham-fisted approach to rewriting the Doctor Doom and Reed story and blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. It's really just... <laughs> I like it's, this literary corner. It's all blah, blah. I, I want it to be better than that. I mean, the Faust story is good, but it's... This is not a good use of the Faust story, so I got nothing else to say, but God, please bring us to Science Corner, man. <laughs> I'm going to take us there, but I'm going to just go back into your literary, uh, into your library sure. for a little bit. And yeah, it's kind of like, I think what they were doing there is mentioning something better than what they were to try and raise themselves up a little bit. They're like, aha, but I did mention something good, didn't I? And it's like, yeah, you did. It's not unakin to watching a earnest movie. <laughs> And and, and and Byrne says a line of Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> the good yeah. will not cover the crud no, around it. But it puts, it puts a little bow on it. Puts a little bow in there. Yeah, it gives it some sparkle. If nothing else, this series references better stories that you might want to go out and read. <laughs> Yeah. 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 You, you mentioned that. Like secret, like secret Wars? Yeah. Well, <laughs> half measures, maybe. But, but you know, that you could do worse than reading the Burn Fantastic Four. Yeah. I, I just, I still got to go back to my one complaint with that was, I'm looking at the page, I'm going, why is Sue Richards just lying here in her bra and panties? Yeah, I just read that one for the... Uh... Yeah, I just read that one issue for the uh, the two sentence replay. Yeah, and it's kind of like, huh? Why is everybody dressed except Sue Richards' clothes are just I, blown off of her body? Basically, I had to go shards. one issue back just because I'm like, there's got to be a reason for that. Oh yeah, she was in brushing her teeth when the attack occurred. So I wonder if that's the reason why he had Franklin brushing his teeth in this issue. Ew. <laughs> It's like, you know what? I was going to say, Al Mugram sees the Fantastic Four issue and realizes, you know what? That's what they do. They brush their teeth. They brush their they teeth. Brush their teeth. But he at, least, he at least clothes Sue Richard. So yeah. my, my hat off to you, dear sir. Oh, here's... We're never getting to Science Corner. Uh, but yeah, just the great thing about Sue Richards and that, besides the inexplicable clothes balloon off thing, anytime you saw her, gastral form, was the just angriest-faced mulleted lady ever. It was yeah. just... Well, I think I think they just died. Oh, so yeah. that, 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 could, that could put... She yeah. died with her clothes off yeah they did well they didn't, they didn't know they were dead i don't think you're saying that something problematic happened in a john Byrne comic <laughs> i think that's what and on that says. note i'm gonna go ahead and have myself a drinky drink yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's uh let's leave that topic and let's get over into science corner and that's where i explain sciencey stuff yay. So, yay sometimes it's sciencey sometimes it's something else in this issue we were introduced to the concept of fushable sins they are the sin of murder the sin of mass murder don't confuse this one with 
with the first one, as it is an entirely different sin. The sin of carelessness, the sin of being thrown to fush by She-Hulk, and finally, the first sin, the unforgivable sin, the most fushable sin imaginable, the sin of messing around with the U.S. mail. Reed Richards was guilty of this sin when he went rooting around Willie's sack and was rightfully sent straight to Fwoosh, where his punishment was to only ever receive junk mail that he just had to go through really carefully as there might just be a coupon in there that he really needs, only to discover that there wasn't one. That was Reed's punishment that I just made up and doesn't relate to the real world. So, what happens to a regular mortal like you or me if we attempt to obtain mail from a postal carrier's sack? Well, for starters, this is a felony, and you would be charged with a federal offense. The penalty, or earthly punishment if you will, is that you could face up to five years in federal prison and fines of up to $250,000. So, don't be like Reed. Keep your hands off your mailman sack. And that's Science Corner. But, but what, what happens if you commit the sin of writing a really boring comic book story? Uh... <laughs> You probably... Yeah, I think you just get sent to heck on that one. Yeah. You get sent to a future podcast where... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, you get sent to the future of podcasting where people will make fun of your work from, ha 30 years ago, so you know that brand's pretty hot. Blah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah uh, we got you, writer of this comic. I just, I'm having one little problem. I'm trying to make this correlation. Where's the science in breaking the law. <laughs> Where was the science of this? It doesn't okay, matter. <laughs> None of it matters. None of it matters. Does this, that, that does this issue or this series matter? No. no. We, we have been we have been condemned to do this 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 silly silly experiment. Exactly. What am I gonna do? The, the toothbrushing? How to keep your enamel safe? How, yes, now it makes actually, sense that I could have done that because toothbrushing yeah, was yeah, a portion of this. Yeah. But uh, you just no. thought of it, didn't you? Yes, yes I did just did. think of it. Sure. <laughs> Yes, sure. I did just think of it. So what? Okay, here's my. I got a secret question. What, oh, type, of, what type of toothpaste does Franklin use? It's, pro- it's probably something that Reed made up. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. not going to get an over the no, counter no. brand. It's not going to be crest with whitening. It's no, going to no, be. It's, it's going to be a cosmic raid trident. With uh, galactic sparkles, it'll be fantastic gel. I think with with cosmic with cosmic sparkles. Yeah, with yeah, <laughs> Co- yeah with cosmic whitening rays. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Cosmic whitening rays. But there what you go. flavor does it have? Orange. <laughs> <laughs> An evil genius indeed. Yeah. Uh, let's see. If it's that is kids the worst. Work, that is great. the worst. Oh God! There's the, the there's no taste worse than than brushing your teeth and having any citrus. So yes, the, the toothpaste flavor is orange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. On that note, okay. let's talk about some final thoughts. Let's talk about refrigerator gallery. We are gonna do this. Mm-hmm. So, what piece of art in the book needs to be on the family refrigerator? Nope. Nope, nope, we're changing that. What piece of art in this book needs to be on the Fantasta refrigerator? Oh, Fantasta fridge. Fantasta fridge, yeah. It what piece flies. of art in the book needs to be on the Fantasta fridge? Guess first. Greg, what is your backup? Okay, well, I have an honorable mention before we get there. Because Ooh, I came uh, up with Bring three. us, bring us. My backup is on page five. It's the picture of evil Johnny and evil Alicia. Oh, smooching? Oh, yeah. yeah. Post-smooching. Uh, oh, the post-smooching. Yeah, top, yes, top yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah, top middle. Just, I love the way throughout the entire issue how Busima manages to convey just that they're not quite right. And 
Evil Leisha and Evil Johnny are the best. No, I, I can see that. That is a good choice. I, I missed that the first time through. That is excellent. I like that one. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. You got some, you got something? Oh, I got my standard joke back up in let's first see the, let's see the Let's see your joke one. Let's see if you can beat that. Okay, my joke one is on page 12. Page, page 12. 13 for those of you on Marvel Unlimited. And I call it Bad Babysitter. And it is in the uh, top left... It's it's either it's either one oh, of yes. the two. Yes. Top left, She Hulk has grabbed up a little Franklin Richards and is ready to chuck him down a crack straight <laughs> to Fush. And that, in my opinion, is the worst babysitter you can have. Oh no, that is a fantastic one. I, that, <laughs> no, 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 you are completely correct. I love it. I love it. So that's my joke one. My backup one is uh, on page five or page six for the Marvel Unlimited set. Okay, and I call it Little Legs. And it is the bottom right-hand panel. And it is little Franklin. He's running to go get his daddy because Ben and Johnny are fighting. And it is literally the best little kid run art that I've ever seen. No offense to Gene Brigman. Oh, that's your number one? That's my number one. Because I love his little lip a a little bit, too. You can just... yeah. It's adorable. This was it. almost my number one too. Go ahead. Do, yeah, you got. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about that? Because that's your number one. Oh, it just. I just love the fact that it's just such a normal little kid thing in this absurd mix yeah. of super, <laughs> super heroic. Something just kind of just normal. Yeah, it is the most grounded thing you got going here. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm gonna go ahead and do my backup one here. Um, and this is on page 16. And I want to see if anybody. I'm surprised nobody else got this one. This one is the peeling. Oh uh, yeah. And, uh, and and it's and it's uh, it's in the middle panels and it's when Mephisto has peeled off the thing's skin and this white wraith ghost thing is there and it is just I didn't remember much of this book but that was an image that stuck with me from this entire series. Oh yeah, no, it's a great image. It looks really really good. And it'd be horrific in a much more horrific comic. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. It, it's 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 kind of a nothing. It's like okay, this is really not anything, but just ah, uh, it's. There's something about that. It's just, ooh, yeah. ooh, it makes my skin crawl. It is well, it made, it made Ben's skin crawl so yes, much yes. that it fell off. I think you have your uh, backup store remaining, Greg, right? Yeah, it's on page five, and that is when little Franklin wakes up from bed. Aww. Aww. It's just a little, it's just between that one and him running, I just like the little human moments yep. in this yeah. a lot more than the standard superhero fare. This, Basima, John Basima was never a huge fan of illustrating superhero comics, so he obviously is a, he loves sinking his teeth into the, any place that he can that, that doesn't involve flaming all or clobbering. For for those who don't see this, this has got Franklin sitting in his bed and he's got like one leg that's covered by the blanket the other legs on top of the blanket and he is yawning mouth wide open in a yawn and like arms stretched up uh, next to him yeah, wearing his just, cute little pajamas we're, yeah wearing his cute little pajamas just big old yawn on his face yeah it's a, just a little kid half covered by the bed yawning and, and stretching yeah it's pretty great I like that one that's a good choice and the comment and, and his word balloon is just <laughs> perfect <laughs> I'm sure glad that mommy and daddy didn't get killed you know <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like, okay, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's how uh, Franklin wakes up every morning. Um, that's a terrible childhood. <laughs> what do you got left over? My leftover is my number one. What's that? And that is on page 13, and I call it Bad as Fush. <laughs> and this is a big old splash page. Yep. And, and yep, when Franklin splats down yep. into Fush and Mephisto's on his throne and the Fantastic Four is trapped in the stone, it just, I'm like, 
This is my number one as yep. well. Lord of His Domain. Like you said, Mephisto lounging back. The rest of the Fantastic Four are all trapped with the, with the rock. And Franklin handing straight on his upper yeah. shoulder blades onto the rock yeah, and there's not a reason dying. That he, yeah, there's a reason he's not involved in the rest of the issue. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you that chair's really comfy, too. Oh, it, sure it ain't It, it ain't no uh, uh, throne of swords, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's sinfully comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, rubber and glue moment, what was the best or most childish insult? And I don't really need to change anything from here. What's the, what's the best childish insult? Jeff, we'll start with you, sir. Uh, get yes, out of my yes, credenza. yes, yes. This is the sound, the alarm sound that I have stolen from Hub from Tighten Up the Defense because we do have a official Bozo sighting in this comic book yeah, that we Bozo. needed to mention out. And this is on page 15, and it's the bottom panel, the bottom corner panel, when Ben Grimm says, What? You're growing, but I fought bigger Bozos than you. So, yes, we have a natural <laughs> Bozo in yep. here that we must of course make mention of <laughs> all right my backup is on page 15 mm-hmm. and it's benjamin grin never yeah. loving blue-eyed thing and it's when he's trapped in the rock and uh mephisto saying that you know he's gonna swallow up uh you know the little toe-headed mm-hmm. kid's soul here i'll actually do his voice no way tall red and gruesome has to get a signed contract i ought to know I just like tall, red, and gruesome. That was my number one. Ah. Yes, that was my number one, but I had a a follow-up for that number one, if I will. And that's on page six, Mm -hmm. because I think it makes a nice little uh, combo there. On page six, he's got one that's very similar. Johnny, the, the fake Johnny Storm says, You'll nothing, tall, orange, and ugly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's my number one. Yeah. Uh, we're all on the same boat. We're all on the same boat on those ones, yeah. Uh, what, what else you got for your backup there? Uh, my backup is during the Doctor Doom flashback when he calls Reed an ignorant peasant. Ooh. I gotta go with a... Gotta go with the uh, good old-fashioned doom insult. Yeah. I miss the ignorant peasant. That was a nice nice touch. Nice touch. Yeah, I like that one. one. My backup one was on page 16, and that was Mephisto saying, Very well, Gargoyle. You shall have your wish. Yeah, talking to Ben. <laughs> yeah, this is after Ben gets free. He's like, all right, Gargoyle, you want some of this? Come get some. Which, I gotta like that one. Yeah, that's pretty great. Uh, anybody else? I, you got one? Me, yeah, I have my number one. Mm-hmm. And it is on page 21. And it is a combo of Sue and Mephisto, but it's mostly Mephisto. It is the middle. It is Sue is blasting Mephisto with force bolts, and she's all fiend. And he says, flatterer. <laughs> Not to mention, that is also an excellent panel. Oh, that's great art. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, I think Soup actually just proposed to Mephisto there. I think so, too. Maybe. I think so. She she liked him so much, she put a ring on it. And that ring happens to be a force bolt. And it happens to be his midsection. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Stars in detention. Yep. Stars in detention. We want to identify the child. Er, member of the Fantastic Four, who was the best and the worst in this issue. Who... Of the Fantastic Four or five, do you think was the worst? My worst is Johnny Storm. Really? Yes, and it is because uh, he was talking during a tennis match. <laughs> you don't talk during that. Have you ever watched a ten- tennis match and and you hear anything other than puck, 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 squeak, puck? 
No, you don't. You don't hear people going, yeah, I'm going to get a hot dog and I need some hat. You want a beer? Hey, that Mac and Roku, he's doing pretty good today. I think I, hey, I'm going to get one of those novelty uh, back scratchers. And I think, do they sell like signed tennis rackets or like small ones so I can take back to my kid? I want a pennant banner of this match to take me hey peanuts here you know no they don't have that and so johnny needed to shut his pie hole i don't care this was his own fault for bringing a blind girl to a tennis match where she's gonna be like so i hear they're playing tennis and then people go oh it's like golf shut your hole so (laughs) so that's why i think johnny was the worst kid uh no screw it johnny he's a kid mentally so uh greg you have to understand greg that uh the reason why I wanted Jeff on the show is because I wanted to have moments where I could sit back and just enjoy the show. And that was one of those moments. <laughs> How about for you, sir? Who was your worst? Johnny is also on my my my, my naughty list right now. Greg knows. Greg, Greg knows. knows. Yeah, Greg Not knows. Not necessarily for the sin of talking, but for deciding to burst into flames when he gets into his little squabble with, uh, <laughs> with the tennis player. Um, See, it's all which, the tennis Which match, answers yeah. the question why the She-Hulk is with the Fantastic Four. They need to have a lawyer or a retainer whenever yeah. Johnny decides to go. <laughs> and that way they got her on the cheap, too, because she's part of the team. Yeah, exactly. Right. Room and board. <laughs> I gotta tell you guys, we have got a perfect match. Yeah. I also chose the human George. <laughs> and here's the thing, I chose for a different reason, and it's not the tennis match. What? No no. There was more to this comic than tennis. <laughs> I said that he failed because after watching the thing attack, he does the same thing, <laughs> but worse. <laughs> and he doesn't think about the fact that he has no chance of hurting Mephisto yeah. with fire. <laughs> so he just saw Ben Grimm, who's tougher than them all, get yeah. his hide handed to him. Yeah, literally his hide handed to him. But then he goes out and does the same thing and says, oh yeah, here's some fire. Yeah. I bought. A, I brought a pillow to this gunfight. I think I'm set. <laughs> I brought water to the water fight. Yeah. <laughs> ben just loosened him up. Yeah. Got him. Yeah. Got him ready. Yeah, now the Mephisto's obviously on the ropes. Yeah. Johnny's teamwork. Yeah. <laughs> I got you now. <laughs> pew 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 pew. Firefly at you. Oh, you transported oh. me into a lava pit. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm the bad, bad superhero. Conversely, uh, yeah. who gets a star this issue? I'll go first and we'll go back around. Yeah, that works out. I got the thing. I thought Ben Grimm was a, was a good guy. Really? How yeah. come? Well, sure, he's got a temper, mm-hmm. but he was played. He was played. He was super he played. Was played. Yes, he was. It was, of all of them, that was the one that cut the deepest. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if any of us would be in the same, you know, be able to get by the same thing. But he brought some brains to the contract dispute. <laughs> Yeah. He was the one who brought up, you can't do that. That's not legal. He actually thought about that and he had his own experiences. So I, I like the fact that he actually, for being the the bruise of the group, he actually was thinking about things. Mm-hmm. So I gave him the star this time. I okay, thought that he I thought I thought that he was he was the man. That but makes sense. It also is the thing. Or so. if not the man, the thing. The thing. How about you, Greg? For me it was Sue making the sacrifice towards the end. Where she wore the apron? Well, there's that too. Ooh, hold on a second. <laughs> okay. Hand up. Yeah, all right. Bad. Ah, I know. <laughs> but for making the sacrifice at the end, yeah, and and, and causing the issue to come to a, 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 a thank- merciful, <laughs> mercifully coming to an end, a thankful stop. 
No, that is that is completely acceptable yeah. too. Really yeah, is. yeah, yeah. I thought that was good. Yep. No, yep. Sue was Sue was great. Uh, Sue was up on my list. Uh, she Hulk definitely wasn't anywhere because she basically didn't, showed up didn't. and said she showed up for the paycheck. Yeah, she showed up. Yeah, <laughs> she was very much uh, contractually ob- obligated. Contractually obligated and 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 paycheck. Yeah, you see her sitting around drinking coffee, reading a magazine at one point. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not paid to read these lines now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you think Mephisto's contracts are binding? You just look at the one that she signed to be the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Lawyer, yeah. lawyer. She should lawyer up. I have no. I have. I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> so who's your number one? My number one is also Ben Grimm. Hurrah. And it is simply because he helped Franklin Richards fight tooth decay by making sure that he brushed his teeth. So that, in my uh, opinion, makes him the best hero in this issue. He not only fought Mephisto, he not only found the shaft, he helped brush teeth. Yep. And that is one to grow on. And that is. And so that, <laughs> cheers to you, Ben Grimm. Cheers to you. So normally we do G-Force, but mm-hmm. um, uh, we, nobody said G's. No. But do you have a count of the number of catchphrases that were said in this issue? I actually do. I take Excellent. care of that, yeah. I, I do too. Oh, okay. I do as well. So we've, right. we've got to, we've got to, we, we, we can verify. So, you know, guess first, what, what, what number did you come up with? I came up with three flame-ons. You are correct. Two clobbering times. Correct. One read my darling. Oh, okay. Uh, my version of that was just any time she said read, which was uh, five times. Yeah. But read my darling. Okay, that can be a catchphrase. Yeah. yeah so one time read my darling and four other uh, reads in various states of exclamation. I had one big brain, one stretch, no stretch out though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's- yeah. Those are the ones that I found. Oh, interesting, because you forgot about possibly one of the more powerful members of not Power Pack. Wait, actually, Power Pack 2. Yes, Yay! Power Pack 2, yes. Uh, as a Power Pack tie-in, we're going to do Franklin's Tattletales Richard's catchphrase, which is either Mommy or Daddy. <laughs> and he said Mommy or Daddy... 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 26 times. Holy heck. With wow. an additional dad when he was talking uh, to uh, Reed when Reed was not paying attention to him talking to the mailman. 26 mommies and daddies in this. That actually is more than our current G count, I think. Uh, it's either tied with it or um, or very close. Yeah. In one issue. Oh, actually, wait a minute. I have notes on this. It is, it is tied with our G count total. <laughs> In uh, 13 issues. Yeah. There, this is why you come to our show for the numbers. Yeah. We got the numbers. I was going to say, all, with all these catchphrases, it's almost a, the, the script was almost a Mad Libs. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Johnny Storm, tennis, mass murder. Yep. <laughs> Those are the words I'll pick. And you have a winner. All right. On that note, then let's. Uh, this is kind of fun. Um, this is the first book of our series. We're the first ones to do this. There's mm-hmm. going to be three other podcasts that are going to pick up the rest of the books. Uh, we all had a chance to read the books, though. Let's go ahead and do a little spoiler and say which of the four books of this series did you guys like the most? Huh. Let's see. Uh, honestly, I kind of think this is the best one, hmm. in my opinion. Because I think the fourth one is should be farther than fourth place. Yeah, the fourth one is horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal opinion is I I, I found that I kind of like the X Factor one. I thought that there was there wasn't that, as much action, but there were some more interesting themes that were actually there. Okay, and there was more of the 
of the actual Mephisto Faust, here is the object of your desire kind of things, which I thought was a better use of the character and the characters in X-Factor. Okay, but you agree that the uh, X-Men versus one is uh, third place because you basically just watched Rogue get played the entire time? I got Rogue... No, no, I think I watched Rogue get sexually harassed. Yeah. Um, But how about you, Greg? What do you feel about the... I go back and forth between one and two... The fourth one is horrible, and but it, but the only saving grace is that it wants you to go read a better comic. Oh yes, <laughs> it's it saving does. grace is that it's so ridiculous, no. and it, it ends with the the basic knowledge that you're like the stakes could never be lower because nothing matters. Nothing matters. No, you you are completely right. The the best thing about the last one is you're like, huh? I want to go read Walt Simonson's run on Thor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so that. that Kind of almost makes for the best one of the bunch, but, but at the same time, uh, it's horrible. It's kind no. of yeah. I think of the two, I think I. Well, I'll take that back. I I think the X Factor one is a little bit better, only because it ties into a pretty decent issue of Marvel fanfare. Yeah, the funny thing is, I don't know if that's one book of my X Factor run that I never picked up. I need to go and hunt that one down. I I used to one time had all the stuff, but. I want to check that one out. I somehow missed it. Okay, well, then that's two to one on the first place one. So, the uh, Mephisto versus Mm X-Factor is going to be in place one. Mephisto versus Fantastic Four will be in place two. Mephisto versus X-Men is in rank three. And Mephisto versus the Avengers is uh, in rank four, which is somewhere at the bottom of a garbage bin. Yes. And and I got to tell you, the, the third one is really not that far ahead. Just the sexual no. harassment and just the constant. I, Mephisto puts his tongue so far down Rogue's throat. It is. <laughs> and if, Anyways. And if you're curious about that Marvel fanfare, I, I know of a podcast that will be talking about that issue. Oh, which Ooh. one? It might be the Marvel Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Oh, do you know when that will be uh, being talked about? I think the same day as this one. Oh, Ooh. well, that's convenient. I, I and, am uh, so, somehow I managed to be in two places at once. That's crazy. <laughs> well, we are in Mephisto, the trickster god's realm, so it could be... It, who knows how that worked out. It's magic. Oh, my goodness. That's a great way of explaining everything. Pretty much. Magic. Let's talk about final thoughts of the beer. Let's talk about how much we enjoyed our beers. Craig, tell us about Arrogant Bastard. Uh, it actually got better as I went along with it. It When it uh, warmed up, got to a little bit closer to room temperature, I liked it a little bit more than when I first started. It's bitter, but I, that kind of matches my mood anyway. This comic book made me bitter. <laughs> <laughs> then then let me ask you this question, and um, we're going to play around with our, our ranking system a little bit here because we are in Mephisto land. And, um, Number of fushes. A- a- everybody gets their chance to, uh-huh. to figure out. So I am going to ask you, how many skinned things would you give this? <laughs> how many skinned things? <laughs> out of... Um, out of five. Out of, out of five. five. Should it be out, out of four? Because of, this is the Fantastic yeah. Four? But but you're forgetting the fifth uh, member. Yeah, they, we do oh, have yeah, five members. We that's true. Members, yeah. Willie Lumpkin. Um, yeah. <laughs> three yeah, I, think, I, I, I think I think you actually I think you actually might get sued for that one. <laughs> so three and a half, three, three and a half, half. Skin, three and a half, three and a half thing skins. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Rick? What what am I ranking? Yeah. Uh, fushes? You, you like? Yeah, fushes? I like fushes. So uh, zero to five fushes. What's your uh, what's your ranking on this? I'm really enjoying this beer. I, I think it's very good. I, I, I can continue to drink it, no problem at all. I'm going to give this a good. I'm going to give this a good solid four and a half wishes. Wow, that's yes. impressive. This is a very, very tasty little beverage. Okay. 
So, uh, Greg, your turn for Jeff. How many Willy Lumpkin sacks do you give your the beer? <laughs> How many sacks do I got to go rummaging through uh, for this beer? How many Willie Lumpkin sacks would you rummage through for this beer? He asked me. That's that's a terrible question, but I love it. Okay. um, Well, like your arrogant bastard, I'm finding that I'm enjoying this more as uh, the evening progresses. And it might just be that my taste buds are getting killed off by the old 10%. It might be that it's one of these beers that is better when it gets warmed up. Um, I'm still not... When, when I was first trying it, I was like, yeah, I really taste the fruit and it is killing my everything. Just there's a bitter, there's a terrible aftertaste. It's just the kind of sweetie fruit flavor isn't really doing it for me. Uh, I'm enjoying it better now because uh, I keep pouring more. I'm, like my bomber is empty now and my glass is almost done. So I'm like, oh, I must be thinking something good of it. I'm not giving it your four and a half. Mm-hmm. I will give it a three. Okay. So as middle of the little road... The base mean number of willy sacks that I would uh, rummage through <laughs> is three to get one of these beers. So, All right. so that's I my like opinion it. on Heretic. Oh, that's fun. I like that. That was that was, that was good. <laughs> now, um, I am not going to. I'm not going to subject my daughter to this book because um, I would like her to read quality content. <laughs> <laughs> content like Power Pack. So I, we are going to skip the kid's perspective of this book because really I, I, we You don't just, need to do no, this we to your don't kid. Need to do yeah, that to you my don't kid. need the... Uh, so, uh, I wouldn't subject this to my 20 year old daughter. So. No, no, no. So let's just move right on to the shout outs. Um, you want to start off? Sure. We need to give a big shout out to Tim Price who is the voice of Mephisto. Tim wanted to be part of this crossover, so he was cast as the voice, and he has knocked it out of the park. Thank you so much, Tim. Speaking of the crossover, be sure to check out the other three episodes. Next in the order is Secret Wars and Beyond, reviewing issue number two, Mephisto vs. X-Factor. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Why would Greg like that one? I don't know. Following that will be Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. They will be reviewing issue number three, Mephisto vs. the X-Men. And then the fourth one will be Married with Comics. They will be reviewing issue number four, Mephisto vs. the Avengers. And I will be on that podcast. A big thank you to the best guest star we could have ever been cursed with. <laughs> What's your name? Um, yeah, uh, Greg, Greg, Greg. I'm Sean. I want to say Ted. It's definitely something with an M. Something with M. Mephistag. Mephistag. Uh, oh, no, it was a G. It was Guy. So, Greg, thank you very much for joining us on this. I hope uh, I, I hope it wasn't too horrible waste of your night. As I say, it's, it's, I read a lot of bad comics, this, and this was not the worst one I've read this month. What, you keep saying that. What was the worst one you've read this um, month? It'll be appearing in an upcoming episode of DC OCD over with Paul Hicks it's a little something called Genesis Ooh. that gets my my worst uh, comic of the month award on that note though where else in this wonderful world can we find you Greg well you can hear me talking about Secret Wars 2 on the Marvel Secret Wars and Beyond podcast with uh, Sean my, my ever present co-host for that show which is sadly maybe, sadly, coming to an end uh, of, of this season. Um, we're thinking about what the, the third season entails. And you can also find me on Twitter under the handle GRIJO1. Those are pretty much where you can find me. I mean, you could find me on Facebook, but why would you? <laughs> <laughs> that being said... Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter 
at Jeff Rick Present. Our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present. Our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com. Or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present. Dot WordPress. Dot com. Dot Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Mephisto org. <laughs> and if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com. Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. Please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our life. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. My wife, Jennifer, my daughters, Devin and Riley. We We love love you. Find the next part of the series on the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Flame off. Yay. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Sweeter from Ruth, Shemanastic, and Waltz of the Carnies. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Chocolate fun for everyone! <laughs> the milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Mars Incorporated! 1986. That was more sinister than I was expecting, but it works for Mephisto. <laughs> Simple. Yeah, Simple? Uh, yeah, that's a fasting. Yeah. And then we have our music, and Jeff sings the music. Yeah, it goes... It goes wow. I thought it was more of the... Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like in this case it should be like pipe organs or something. <laughs> more like... No, that's just the music inside my head. Mephisto, Mephisto, Mephisto. Now it's just like a cheerleader kind of thing. Yeah. All right, let's get let's pretend we're funny. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's try this out. Uh, <laughs> uh, here, we're gonna pause for a Hold second. On a I'll second. go get you a, a towel for That's your, okay. I'm, I'm, your foam it's, up. It's uh. Oh, it's going into the bag. Too. Going in the bag. I'll, yep. I'll still get you a, a towel. Sorry, we had we we had a very excited heretic. <laughs> <laughs> it's excited about this episode, I guess. <laughs> I am literally holding this beer that is kind of overflowed onto my hand, and it's over the the bag that I bring the beer in. And uh, <laughs> mm, kind of tasty, though. <laughs> Give us a second. No worries. <laughs> she was originally brought in to fill out. Well, yeah, she was originally. <laughs> 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 Sorry, just like they could be known as the four. 4,444ers. <laughs> That's how many people you can occupy in the building, but no, I don't know. Well, with the number of people that have actually been on the Fantastic Four team to this point in time, I think they're actually getting close to that number. You know, you're probably not or wrong. At least it's, or at least it's divisible by four. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> with the Fantastic Divisible by four. <laughs> <laughs> Which they just cut down to Fantastic yeah, exactly. Four. They're like, there's a little asterisk in there. It just kind of gets lost in the murk. Okay, let's actually do the podcast thing instead of just these uh, sides, which are awesome. Which leads me to kind of wonder, at what point does flame just become supernaturally intense rather than just intense? <laughs> well, when Reed says so. <laughs> I guess all those doctors come in handy. Yeah, he he has one in uh, Supernatural Flames. <laughs> it was, uh, he, he, it started, he was like, uh, I've got a minor in it. And, you know, it was like me with a lot of things where it's like, you know, three more classes and I can have a major, another major in, uh, in just, uh, Infernal just, Flames. I just need to do a camp out. And, and and a gasoline and a napalm, and, and I got this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be here anyway. Why not? Why not? I'll pick it up while I'm picking up that philosophy and chemistry degree as well. Their precious powered p- protege by promising his potential precognitive... Precognitive... <laughs> <prog-> <laughs> Go ahead and start it over, man. <laughs> <laughs> Read it. Hmm.
Yep. Yep. Suck those teeth, because that's well, welcome, welcome to our podcast, sir. Uh, where, where we hurt each other with words, but not mean ones. We just go, hey, why don't you read this? Uh, <laughs> Harrison Ford's words come to mind. You can write this stuff, George, but you can't say it. Um. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So Willie can warn Reed about the repetitious mm, repetitions. <clears throat> repetitions. Repetitions report. Repetitious reports. Yeah, it would be repetitious reports. Okay, you wrote it. So. Yeah, I also miswrote it. <laughs> yeah, I tried to fix a lot of your stuff, but some I'm like, yeah, I don't know what he's saying. Yeah. Mephisto line, Mephisto line. This oh, is where we insert Mephisto's line. Apparently, we all missed an important element in the Reed Richards Victor Von Doom Aurora. Up, up. She cracks faster than a Fabergé egg in a mixer. She cracks faster than badly poured concrete. She cracks faster than a frozen lake in a movie. She cracks faster than a bullwhip. She cracks faster than eggs for breakfast. She cracks faster than Franklin's head after falling into Mephisto's realm. That one might have gone too far. Am I getting paid for this? You better believe it. That, uh, you know, when that uh, angry podcaster's got your head pressed up against a wall, you look him in the, uh, in the Twitter feed and you say, yes, sir, the check is in the mail. And that's what you do. Uh, this was fun. Oh, yeah. And now I can completely forget about Mephisto versus the Fantastic Four for the rest of my life. Yeah, I probably will, too.